So I know the past couple weeks we've been talking about transformation, and I feel like what I'm going to share tonight is a pretty good angle on transformation. It's a way that I've experienced transformation in my own life. Um, So I want to talk to you about an awesome passage from Matthew, Uh, but first I want to pray. Lord, I thank you for this night. I thank you for your word. It's living and it's active and it's powerful. Lord, and whatever we may have come into this building carrying with us tonight, whatever heavy things, Lord, you're well able to take them. You're well able to take care of them. I pray that you would do that tonight through your word. I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that understands what your spirit is saying. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you don't know me, my name is Raina. I'm Jason's wife, which makes me the confusingly titled pastor's wife. I don't ever get introduced to somebody as this is the plumber's wife or this is the electrician's wife but, or this is the businessman's wife, but I get introduced always as the pastor's wife. And so, you know, I get this question a lot. I, I, I think that being a pastor's wife simply means that I happen to be married to a pastor. But um, I get this question a lot, so I know that not everybody thinks this. I get this question, yeah, but what do you do? And so I've been practicing this one out on people. I got it from another pastor's wife, which shows how this is a thing. Like, people think this. So she, she told me this, so this is what I do now. I say, I have a really important job. Are you ready? My job is to sleep with the pastor. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's my job. That's my job. Pretty good job I got. But it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Well, I didn't know if anybody was going to get up and leave on that one. So this is good. We're all still here. You might have this idea of a pastor's wife and um, maybe, or just maybe in, for people in ministry in general, that they just, we just breeze through life on the wings of angels and we just never have any problems. And we have that hotline that Jason's talked about, hotline to Jesus. And that's just not true. It's not true. And I feel like Jason's told you enough stories about me to know that, to know that that's not true. But if there's any, any lingering doubt, we'll, we'll go ahead and dispel that tonight. I came to know Jesus when I was 20 after a, a exceptionally full life of sin. It's really remarkable how much you can fit in without knowing the Lord those first 20 years. And we were 10 days away from our marriage. Um, the invitations had gone out and we had to go to premarital counseling at our church. And they finally just said, listen, if you're not, if you're not going to do this, we're not going to let you get married here. And so at that point I just had to do it. I had no choice. So I went in and instead of talking to us about marriage, they talked to me about Jesus. And I had never heard about this Jesus. I had never heard. I heard about Jesus at Christmas, but that's it. And so I found out about Jesus and what he did for me. And the the man said, would you like to accept Jesus? And I was like, yes. Who would not do this? Yes, I want to accept this Jesus. And I was transformed, utterly, literally transformed. It, It was a night and day difference. And poor Jason, he did not get at the altar the lady that he asked to marry him at the altar because I was so changed and transformed. But I think it's it's worked out. So we're all right. But I want to tell you tonight that I carried a lot of baggage around for years and years, even though I was remarkably and wonderfully transformed and saved in that moment. And I did go from death to life in that moment. 
I still carried a lot of baggage for years and years and years, and I still carry baggage. But that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about baggage as it relates to this awesome passage in Matthew. It's Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. It's one of my favorites. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Listen, we all came in here with baggage. All of us have some sort of baggage. That person sitting on the row um, down from you that you see week in and week out, that you, they always look so nice and put together, and their family's always so Pinterest perfect, and, and you just think they got everything together. They got baggage. Your mama, baggage. Your grandmama, baggage. Everybody has baggage. Everybody came in here with something tonight. And, and I certainly carried baggage around. And here's the thing about baggage. You're going to do one of two things with your baggage. You're either going to carry that with you everywhere you go for the rest of your life, or you're going to unload it somewhere. And I want to talk about unloading it with Jesus and seeing what that looks like. So I have some baggage here. Now, oh my word, this is my favorite. This is my Betsy baggage. I love Betsy. All my glow ladies know I love Betsy. Um, This is my Betsy baggage. It's my favorite. When I go places with my Betsy baggage, I just imagine that I look cool. And so I have my baggage here. Now, if this is not your idea, you know, if you don't think Betsy baggage is cool, two things. One, what happened to you in your life that made you that way? That's sad. And two, you just insert your own cool baggage. But to me, Betsy's cool. And I just, I like my Betsy baggage. And so when I go places, I'm just like, yeah, look at me. I got my Betsy baggage. But the thing about my Betsy baggage, this poor guy, he's not Betsy, but I needed an actual suitcase. So he's like the dud. But either way. (laughs) The thing about this Betsy baggage is anytime we go anywhere, I take all of it. I, I take all of it. I can't not go with... All of it. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, I get it. I get it. We'll get to you later. Um, I I understand that I have way too much. I understand this. It it, it enters my thoughts. Um, But I get, you know, it's too much. It's too heavy. And then I think about this, like, why am I still taking all this if it's too much and it's too heavy? And I feel like I just get stuck because this is my stuff. This is my stuff. And this is what I take, and I'm just very comfortable with it. I'm very, it's very familiar to me. I have all of my stuff, and that's how I like it. I'm used to it now. It defines me. Is it too heavy? Yes, it is. Does it slow me down? Absolutely, it does. So if I know these things, why do I lug it around? What would happen if I stopped taking all this baggage everywhere I went? These things color the way that I look at life. And I feel like I would be lost if I went somewhere without all my Betsy baggage. And in terms of spiritual baggage and mental baggage and emotional baggage, we carry around a lot of stuff that we're not supposed to. We go through life with heavy, heavy weights on us that we were never meant to carry. But it's part of us. Some of it we think it's good. Some of it we know it's not good, but we carry all of it anyway. And it's bags and bags of all kind of stuff. Shame, regret, pride, self-righteousness, all kinds of things. 
for as many of us are in this room, there could be that many kind of baggage that we carry around. And, you know, we come somewhere like this maybe and we get a glimpse of our future, of what things could be like. We hear something like maybe we think, man, could I hear something like that in the Word of God? Man, could I, could I learn to have a daily quiet time? Man, could I have a marriage that's satisfying? Could I be that kind of parent? Could I bring the love of Christ into my workplace? And we think about those things and a little bit of hope starts to rise in us, but then we just get tired just thinking about it because we start thinking about all the things that we would have to change in order for those things to happen. And I would like to submit to you tonight just a little turn in thinking that maybe it's not so much about the changing as it is about the releasing. And I think for many things in our life, Jesus isn't asking for this massive change. He's asking for a massive release. So that leads us to point one, which is come to Jesus with your weariness and your burdens, which is just that first part of the verse. I almost just put come to Jesus, and then we just could have prayed and gone home because that will solve 75% of our problems. Come to Jesus. I just need to have a T-shirt made. We are all weary, right? And we all have burdens. So it seems like it's, you know, self-explanatory. And we think, and we agree with that. Like we can see that in black and white and we can say, yes, I understand that Jesus said that. And then we can still not do it because we still have the mindset, well, Jesus doesn't want me and my baggage. That's certainly true at salvation for many people. When I came to know the Lord, I, um, I would just talk to everybody about it. It didn't matter who you were. Checking me out at the grocery store, you're going to hear about Jesus. Um, call me on the telephone, you're going to hear about Jesus. And I would talk to my grandfather about Jesus. And my grandfather was an old country man. All my family's from Iuka, Mississippi. And never saw him out of a pair of overalls. Just always, no, ever. Doesn't matter what kind of celebration, funeral, wedding, overalls. And he, I would talk to him, don't you want to know, don't you want to accept Jesus? And he had this list of things in his mind that he thought were sins. I'm not telling you they're sins. I'm just saying that in his mind, they were sins. And those were the things that he would have to change or give up in order to come to Jesus. And his, his list was rain. And that's how he talked. Well, actually rain Lynn, cause we all have two names and I, you Mississippi rain Lynn. I can't do that. Why not? Well, because I'm, when I'm ready to stop drinking my whiskey and I'm ready to stop my tobacco and I'm ready to stop my poker playing, then I'll come to Jesus. And I'm just like, no, Grandpa, Jesus will take all of that. He doesn't care. But so many times that stops us at the door of salvation. We think we can't come to Jesus because we have all this junk. And it doesn't matter if your idea of junk is somebody else's idea of junk, if you feel it's junk and it keeps you from Jesus, it's a problem. I don't know many more people who came to the Lord with more baggage than I did. The way that I grew up, things that I had done, things that I had experienced, I had a lot of baggage. And I will tell you this, Jesus stood with arms wide open and said, bring it all. Bring it all. There was never one time that he said, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa. I did not know. I did not know that you had that in there. No, turn it around, sister. Turn it around and go fix that, and then you can come back. Never once. And he's not going to start saying that now. He wants you to come with all that you have. And you don't want to know something else that's so great and crazy about Jesus? 
you don't even have to tell anybody what was in your baggage. Apart from you and him, nobody else has to know what was in all that baggage. That's why I don't go into, you know, all of my life of sin. It would just, first of all, take too long. But second, who wants to highlight that? Let's highlight the healing. Jesus wants to do some healing. And so that's why he wants you and your baggage. And he wants all of it. So, so sometimes that keeps some of us from coming to know God at salvation. But then it can seep past salvation as well. We can get into this mindset where we do read a verse like this and we say, yeah, but I really need to take care of this thing before I can go further in the Lord or before I can go deeper in the Lord or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, maybe you love God with all your heart and you want to serve him, but you are so exhausted. You are literally exhausted. And I'm not talking about the kind of exhausted that sleep cures. I'm talking about like bone deep exhaustion that makes you question everything in your life. When you're that kind of exhausted, it's because you're carrying too much. You're carrying things you weren't supposed to carry. Come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. If you're weary, if you carry heavy burdens, come to me. And that's the first step. I've been there. I've been exhausted. Jesus knew we would be. He, he knew what we, that we would be thinking that, well, I can't come to you with this thing, Jesus. So that's why he wrote that verse. I think those two go together, weariness and burdens. I think you're weary because you're carrying heavy burdens. I think you're weary because you're carrying things that are just too heavy. For years and years, I carried the burdens everywhere I went of fear and worry. Everywhere I went. Now, let me just stop and say this is a socially acceptable form of baggage. So I have other forms of baggage I will not be sharing with you tonight. Um, So don't think that this is my only form of baggage. But this was a heavy, heavy, heavy baggage for me. Fear and worry. I still battle this. It still tries to creep up on me. Like I'll be going about my day minding my business. And then all of a sudden I'll realize I've picked up a big old bag of fear. And I'll have to stop and get rid of it. It's crazy. But I used to be much worse. I carried those jokers everywhere I went. Just fear on one hand. And it didn't even compare to this. It was so heavy. Um, If I was cooking dinner, fear and worry right there with me. If I was praying, fear and worry, right there with me. If I was ministering to teenagers, fear and worry, right there with me. Funny story. um, This is an actual funny story that didn't do lasting damage that I can tell you. I have some that did do lasting damage. But we did this event when we were in youth ministry called Summer Survivor. And we did it at a lake around about three hours from Memphis. And we would bus, well, Jason would bus. He would drive the bus full of teenagers. And we had a large youth group, so we couldn't do them all at one time. So we had to do them by grades. So he would pick up a group from Memphis, drive them to the lake house, which was a beautiful lake house. We would spend a few days with them and then drive them on back. And which left me and the children there by myself, by ourselves. The children were little. They were no help in this situation. It had glass windows. It was in the middle of the woods on the lake in a canyon. And when the, when the sun was out and all the kids were in the house, it was awesome. And when the sun went down and the kids left, it was like the devil was standing at the door. It was awful. Every horror movie I ever saw just flooded my brain at that lake house. And I had already been hinting to Jason, I don't think I can spend the night here by myself. And he was like, you're fine, you're fine. And he gave me a plan, which I'll tell you in a minute. But he... He left. He left with those teenagers, and it was a Wednesday, and he preached, and he called me after to say goodnight, and I was like, I can't do it. 
I can't do it. You're going to have to come back. He was like, oh, my goodness. Please don't make me come back. I'm like, you're going to have to come back. He's like, well, I just want to go to bed. And so I felt so bad for him. And so I was like, oh, fine, go to bed. I can do it. I can do it. So at this point, it is so heavy on me that I'm managing my baggage because that's what happens with baggage. You have to manage it. You have to make room in your life for all of your baggage. And everything that you do, you got to make a plan for your baggage to come right along with you. And you can't go places where you can be free and you can just lay your head down and go to sleep because you got to manage your baggage. So this was my plan for managing my baggage. I thought I can do it. And I remembered what he had told me all day. I remembered it because I had been rehearsing it all day in my mind. Raina, if you think anybody's going to come in the house, here's what you do. You take the kids and you go to the basement door and you're real quiet, open the basement door and you go through and you go down the steps and then you go all the way to the back bedroom in the basement to put the sliding glass door and you open it real quiet and then you step out into the woods and you just tiptoe through the woods down to the lake. You get in the boat, but you don't start the engine. You push off from the bank. So nobody, and when you're far enough away where nobody can get in the boat, then you crank it up and go get some help. So all day I'm like, go to the basement, go to the basement, and then go to the basement bedroom. And then, so I'm rehearsing this all day. So I'm like, well, this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to do this. We're going to have to go to the basement. So I just thought, well, let's just skip the basement step. Let's just go straight down there. So I got the kids. I'm like, get your pillows. It doesn't matter. This is not our room. Get your pillows. We're going down. So we went down, I put them in a bedroom, never mind that a hundred teenagers, dirty teenagers, no offense to teenagers, but after sweating on the lake all day, you know, laying, and, and I'm just like, we don't care. Germs are not, they're not the highest enemy right now. There are enemies out there, enemies, I tell you, and got them in bed and there was a pool table down there and I just thought this is the most brilliant idea I've ever had. So I took the pool sticks and I went up the basement stairs and I just barricaded that door with pool sticks. And then I took all the pool balls cause I thought, well, they might be crafty and be able to get through there and took all the, the little balls and put them on steps. And I, and I thought this, I thought, well, I better stagger them. Cause what if they, you know, come over on one side, you know, this is my brain on baggage. And I did all this. And then I sat on the pool table with the stick with an extra pull stick and just thought, come, I'm ready for you. <laughs> what an exhausting night. This, t- this is a little town in Arkansas. It maybe has 500 population. There wasn't anybody coming for me. It was terrible. It was terrible. It took me years to tell that story to anybody. I was so ashamed of myself. But that's what baggage does to you. And it sounds ridiculous, but it was no way to live. It, was, it sounds like a joke now, and I can tell it and laugh with you, but it was no way to live, and that's how I lived all the time. Everywhere I went, I carried this big fear of what is going to happen, and everywhere I went, I carried this big worry of what if, what if, what if. It didn't help that I thought that these were good things to carry, I, and I did. I was exhausted by it. It wasn't really until I began to question why I was so exhausted in my journey with the Lord that I realized that I was carrying things that I, weren't meant, that I wasn't meant to carry because I did think that they were good things. I thought in my mind, well, if I wasn't going to worry about it, who would? And if I wasn't going to be concerned about every boogeyman out there, then who would be? And that sounds so funny, but I wonder how many of you carry around your bag of self-righteousness because if you don't tell people how to live, who will? Or maybe you carry around your bag of bitterness Well, because if you don't remember that wrong, who will? Or maybe you carry around a bag of guilt because if you don't pay for that sin, who will? 
And there's the answer, Jesus will. Jesus died to take that baggage from you. So you wouldn't have to lug those jokers everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. He died so you wouldn't have to. And that's what makes this passage beautiful. Because he made the way to come. He died so that you could come. And he stands with arms wide open, ready to take all of your baggage. He's strong like that. First, you've got to come, come to him with the baggage. And then number two, receive his rest. Same, same passage, but the promise is at the end. If you do that, if you do what? If you come to him with what? All, if, all your weariness, all your heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Jesus knew the group that he was talking to here. He knew they were exhausted people. And here's why they were an exhausted people. God had given the law to Moses, and it was straightforward. It was simple. God had given his people rules to live by. But as time went on, the religious people took those rules to live by, those simple, straightforward rules to live by, and they made over 500 laws to ensure that you didn't break the original law. For instance, if keep the Sabbath holy. That was a law that God handed down to Moses, and that was from God. But the, the religious people started to think, well, maybe we just better say don't even handle money on the Sabbath. That should be a law. Well, that didn't have anything to do with God. And it wasn't just that. They would make dozens and dozens and dozens of these things. And the Bible talks about it being such a heavy weight on them. And Jesus knew that they were exhausted from that. And that's what he was telling them. Come to me. Come to me with that. I'll give you rest. Because he knew all that stuff. It was just man-made. And, and you may think originally, you know, your first thought may be, well, I can't really relate to that. I don't have 500 laws and I don't have, but don't you? Don't we just make up things outside of the word of the Lord and say, well, I must do this, or I should have done this, or I could have done this, or I shouldn't do this. And we carry it with us. And really, it's outside the word of the Lord. And it makes us exhausted. He was calling these people to lay it down. It was too heavy. They weren't meant to carry it. And he does the same for us. To receive the rest that he's talking about there, you have to have free hands. I can't receive his rest when I have hands full of baggage. And he died to give you free hands is the cool thing. John Maxwell tells this story about this guy in a convertible um, driving down a mountain road. And he takes a turn too fast and he off the road. And his car tumbles down the canyon and he grabs onto a tree as he's ejected from the car. And he starts to say, help, help, help. Is anybody out there? Nothing. God, are you out there? thunderous voice. Yes, I am. God, can you help me? Yes, I can. Do you believe in me? Yes. Do you trust me? Yes, yes. Then let go of the tree. There's a long silence. Can anyone else hear me? And doesn't that describe us? We do not want to let go of that baggage. Many, many times we do not want to. It sounds attractive, but we've had this stuff for so long, and it sounds scary also, because you've been carrying that stuff your whole life. But I'm telling you that it's possible. And maybe it's not all at once. I get that. Maybe you'll leave a little bit here tonight. Maybe we'll pray, and, and you'll think of one particular thing, and you'll think, you know what? I can. I can lay that down. I can give that to Jesus. And you'll do that. And maybe in a couple of weeks, you'll be praying, and maybe you'll come across this verse or it'll just come back to your mind because the Holy Spirit's good like that. Now that you've read it, it's there. 
the Holy Spirit can bring it back to mind. And maybe you'll lay a little bit more down. I've had very few things happen to me instantly in terms of, you know, being set free from things. But I have been set free from a lot of things through a process of journeying with Jesus. And sometimes that's how it happens. So receive his rest. And then number three, let him teach you. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Some versions um, say learn from me, actually. Um, I think this is where the rubber meets the road because many times, honestly, I've done the first two things. I've come to him and I've received his rest. I've come into his presence and I've prayed and I've asked the Lord for help and I've laid all my baggage down before him and I've asked him to do these great things in my life and I've believed for him to do these great things in my life. And then I say amen and I pick up all my bags and I turn around and go about my day. And that's not how he meant it to be. Because, you know, I'll think, well, at least I got a little bit of a reprieve there. You know, at least I got peace for a few minutes. Well, he didn't die to give you peace for a few minutes. He died to give you peace forever and ever in this life and in the one to come. And we do that by learning from him, letting him teach us. I'm not saying this is easy, but I am saying that it's possible. I'm saying it's God's best for us. We were meant to live in freedom. There's another scripture coming up here, Galatians 5.1. This is from the message. Christ has set us free to live a free life. Hello, that's why he set us free. That's why he did what he did on the cross, in order for you to live a free life, not a life lugging all this mess around. So take your stand. Never let anyone put a harness of slavery on you again. And can I tell you that anyone also means you? Anyone means anyone. So how do you do it? That's like the million-dollar question. How do you lay the baggage down? I think Jesus gave us the answer. Would you go back to the, um, let me teach you. So simple. Let me teach you. It, It takes work on our part is the problem. Because he gave us the answer, let me teach you. But it takes work to be taught. And sometimes we think just carrying the bags around would be easier. At least it's familiar. No learning curve. The thing about those bags you're carrying, though, they're going to get heavier. You think you can handle it and you think you can manage it, but it's only going to get worse. I can remember carrying all my bags. Man, every day I'd stuff more fear, more fear, more worry, more worry. They got heavier and heavier. And that's how it happens. That's why you have to let him teach you. Letting him teach you and, and learning from him... Um, you know, the word of God is full of instructions for us. In my particular case, there's a passage in Philippians that was incredible instruction for me. It says, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's very clear instructions for what I was carrying. He was God saying, Hey, Raina, let's don't do this. This that you're doing, nope, let's don't do that. But in order for you not to do that, here's what you do. You pray, you thank me, and then my peace will come. Those were instructions for me. So how many of you have Googled something this past week, how to do something? Okay, I see what you mean. People are shy about raising their hands. Okay, I see you liars. Every, I'm just going to assume everybody has Googled in the past. I'll give you two weeks. Two weeks you've Googled how to fix my hair, how to reprogram my coffee maker or something. You've Googled some sort of instructions. And we do that um, for all kinds of things in our life. But 
we don't necessarily do that. We don't want to get instruction from the word of God. Why not? Because it's not instant. When I Google those things, I just get an instant answer. It could be the right answer. It could not be the right answer, but I get an answer. And many times we want a Siri Holy Spirit to put in a box in our pocket. And we want to pull Siri Holy Spirit out and say, Siri Holy Spirit, what should I do right now? And we just want an instant answer. And, and that's not who God is. I'll tell you this. I do not have a personal relationship with Siri. I ask her things. I curse her sometimes because she writes things on my phone that are not supposed to be there. And, but we have no personal relationship. <laughs> we have some funny stories about Siri. God is not like that. He is not an instant God because he wants a relationship with you. It's not that he's keeping something from you. It's that he wants to give something to you. And when you're in a relationship with him, he, wants, he gives that to you. He's a good, good father. He's not Siri Holy Spirit. He's, like, he's more like what, what C.S. Lewis said as he was painting a kind of a word picture of Christ in the Chronicles of Narnia and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And Lucy asks Mr. Beaver about Aslan, the lion, and is he safe? And Aslan says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And man, God is not safe, but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. And he's got great adventures for you when you let go of your baggage. And adventures, you know, sometimes we think about traveling the world and all these great adventures. I'm going to tell you this. Being in a hot and spicy marriage is a great adventure. It's a great adventure. Being a parent that you can leave a legacy for your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids, that's a great adventure. Being a person who finishes the race in a world full of people who do not finish their race is a great adventure. And God has all this for you. And he has the next act written. And he has all these great things for you. And he's calling you into it. He's ready to reveal that next act. But you can't go in there with all your baggage. It's only going to slow you down. He wants you to let it go. And you can do that by learning from him. God will lay it down. And you won't know how for your particular journey unless you ask him. And again, asking him takes time. You pray, read the Bible, and you listen. And you wait on him. And that takes time. But that's the answer to how. And it's, a, it's not a complicated answer. Is it a time-consuming answer? Yes, it is. Also as valuable as learning how to put down your luggage, I think, or your baggage, is how not to pick up extra baggage. You know, some baggage we feel like we were just born with, like we were born with these bags, and somebody else put these bags on us. And that's true of many things, but there's many things that we have picked up along the way that we wish we had never glanced at, much less reached out and picked up and made a part of our journey. And when you are in a relationship with God, when you are actively learning from Jesus, and that just means, you know, Jesus is our model. He's what we're supposed to pattern our life after. And so when you're trying to learn how he lives so that you can live that way, that's what I mean by actively learning from him. When you're actively learning from him, it's not that you're not going to make mistakes because you will. You're going to make mistakes. In my particular, you know, baggage of fear and worry, I still, 
do that. But the thing about being in a, in a daily active relationship with Jesus is I'll learn, I'll pick up something and it's more like this. It's more like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta, I picked that up and I'm having a relationship with Jesus. And he's like, Raina, do you see what you did there? You picked up that little pocketbook of worry. But I know it before it gets to this big, heavy suitcase of worry that I can't carry anymore. And that's the beauty of that. He'll, he'll teach you things. He'll say, and maybe you were like me and you, didn't, you thought it was good baggage to be carrying around. But he's able to say to you, hey, see that thing you got there in your hand? Hey, you shouldn't be carrying that. Come on, give that to me. And it's a beautiful relationship. But reading the Bible keeps you on the right path. It keeps you from that long, destructive path that will ruin your life. That I can say confidently. That's what God's Word does for you. It gives you eyes to see. Last thing, take his easy yoke. Um, this is where I got the title, um, The Great Exchange. Because Jesus is offering something pretty remarkable here. He is offering his yoke. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. He is offering to exchange your very heavy burdens for his light burden. He is offering to exchange a yoke that is tight on you and strangling you and keeping you going from the direction, keeping you from going the direction you're meant to go. He's offering to exchange that for you. And, you know, this terminology is kind of weird because. I mean, as far as I've lived here, I've never seen a team of oxen just trudging on down the beach. But this is what a yoke was. It was a wooden frame resting on each shoulder of the ox, of each ox. It had like a bar and an um, ox bow, if that's what you call it, on the end of it. And it was perfectly fitted for each one so that they could do the job that they were supposed to do. They could go as a team and they could do it and they could do their job well and it wouldn't hurt them it wouldn't be a harm to him them it would only be a help to them and so when Jesus talks about that my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light the yoke is easy because it is perfectly fitted for you many times we put things on ourselves we're not meant they're not meant to be there and he wants to exchange that yoke this is a great little story the Sunday school teacher was reading this verse to her class and she said, you know, who can tell me what a yoke is? And a boy raised his hand and said, a yoke is something they put on the next animal so they can help each other, which I'm not sure any little boy in this day and age would even know that. But either way, then the teacher said, well, what's the yoke Jesus puts on us? A quiet little girl raised her hand and said, it's God putting his arm around us. And I thought that was so beautiful because that's exactly what it is. It's him saying, we're doing this journey together. I have a yoke for you that is specifically made for you. We're going this direction. We're going together. And I have something that's perfectly made, tailor-made for you. And then the burden is light. There are many things that we carry in our life that you may leave here today and say, Ooh, that's baggage. i got to get rid of that baggage. And that's not baggage. It is a burden that Jesus has specifically given to you and is meant to be light, but your attitude has made it heavy. And marriage comes to mind. If you're married, hey, you've sealed the deal. It's a done thing. You can't back out now. That's a burden that you're supposed to carry, but it's a light, it's a light burden. 
it's supposed to be a fun, growing burden where you grow in your relationship, but your stinky attitude has made it a heavy burden or your hatefulness or the things that, that you bring into your marriage that shouldn't be there. That's what makes it a heavy burden. Same for raising our children. You know, we can go and complain all day long about raising our children. And, but if God gave you those kids, God gave you those kids. And so that's, that is a burden that, that is to be light. We make it heavy. I'm not saying there's not hard things about being married or raising kids. Certainly there are hard things about being married and raising kids. But I am saying that there is a great exchange that can happen where you can go in. There's a verse, um, Isaiah 61, 3. And there's a whole lot behind this verse that I was going to share, but I'm just going to say this. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This is part of Jesus, what he was, right before this, he was reading in the temple. And that's what he came to do. He will give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And when you, when you take his yoke and you participate in the great exchange of transformation, what you're doing is you're taking all the burdens, all the bad burdens that you shouldn't be carrying and all the burdens that you are supposed to be carrying, that, but that are meant to be light, but you have made heavy, I have made heavy. And we enter in with our baggage and we let Jesus sort it out. And for those things that we are meant to be carrying, he will give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That garment in that original language is mantle. He will put on the mantle of praise so that what once just bowed you over because it was so heavy, you're able to take on that mantle of praise and you're able to see that it is meant to be a light burden and you're able to praise the Lord. For me, the great exchange is always about exchanging the things that I'm not supposed to be carrying. I give that junk to him and he gives me back love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. And that is the fruit of the spirit. And that's what makes the burden easy to bear. That's what makes it light. So I challenge you this week to make the great exchange. I challenge you to have some quiet time with the Lord just you and him and meditate on this verse. Meditate simply means mull it over. Think about it. Work your brain around it and ask the Lord if you have burdens that you're not meant to be carrying that are making you exhausted, mentally, physically, spiritually exhausted. Need to control everything just came to mind. I don't know why. (laughs) Maybe that was just a Holy Spirit to Raina. Um, such an endless amount of things and only you know say God where are those things that I'm not meant to be carrying I want to give those to you help me help me and just like he gave me instructions he'll give you instructions and then ask what are these things that I am meant to be carrying but I have put so many rocks in there for my bad attitude and the way that I viewed it that I've made it heavy when it was supposed to be easy and light and as he reveals those things to you ask him God, you said you would give me the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I come to you for the great exchange, Jesus. I come to exchange my darkness for your light. I come to exchange my downheartedness for your joy. I come to exchange my turmoil for your peace. And the greatest exchange of all is I exchange my death for his life. And maybe you haven't done that yet. 
Maybe you haven't exchanged your sin and death. That's the heaviest burden of all, unforgiven sin. Because you, you can't get rid of it yourself. That's one you can never lay down on your own. That's something Jesus has to come and take away from you. But he already made the way to do it. So if you want to do that today, I really want to pray with you. And what I'm asking is if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior. And all that that means is that you want to say, I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I want you to forgive my sins. That's all that it is. And the greatest exchange of all happens in that moment. So would you bow your heads with me? If that's you and, and you, you, want to, you want to exchange your death and your sin for his life, and not just life here on earth and not just peace here on earth. Maybe you've been carrying so much baggage around that you don't know what peace feels like. You can know what peace feels like tonight, this moment. So if you've never accepted Jesus and you want to do that tonight, will you just raise your hand at me so I can just see you? Because I want to pray for you. Nobody's looking at you. And take a second to look. Awesome. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for your people here tonight. Thank you for your word, which is just so powerful. Thank you, Lord, that you offer a great exchange. And I pray that as we go about our week, that we would understand how to lay burdens down. Pray that we would understand how to receive your peace for our turmoil and and your light in our darkness. And that's what your word is. It's a light to our path. And I pray that it would be that this week. I pray that we would seek you out. Pray that we would come to you. Pray that we would receive your rest. I pray that we would um, be able to, to take your easy yoke and to, to lay down all of our baggage with you. In Jesus' name, amen.